This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. It's Chrysomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, oh, with the powerful you. questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Ah, yeah, come on in and stay a while. This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you're safe and healthy. Hope you're doing well. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. And guys, with this one, we are getting inducted into the Hall of Pain. Oh, yeah. The world's strongest man, sexual chocolate, the legend himself, the Hall of Famer Mark Henry is with us. And I'm so excited for this one because he's such a great guy and he has this huge personality and this massive smile. It's just so infectious. And if you enjoy this one as much as I think you will, please take a screenshot, share this with a friend, tag me. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Tag Mark. He is at the Mark Henry on Twitter or Instagram. And let everyone know, not just about this episode, but about the podcast in general. As you know, the podcast turned one year old last week. What do you think of that new podcast image there, by the way? It's like, a, it's like an updated version of the original one. Just this time I'm not pointing under the Chris Van Vliet logo, which I believe is a step in the right direction. You know, we're, we're starting year two off on the right foot here. We're, we're not pointing at anything. <laughs> we're, we're certainly not pointing at the wrong thing. So we're, we're headed in the right direction, my friends. But in all seriousness, uh, thank you for supporting the show. A lot of you since day one on the podcast, and here we are in episode 99 now. Woo! A lot of you also support by like not just listening to the podcast, but also watching it on YouTube, which is amazing. That always blows my mind. A lot of people will message me and go, yeah, it sounded so great on the podcast, but I wanted to see the facial expressions that they were making when they told the stories. So thank you for like the double whammy 
of views and listens with that one. And if you happen to be listening on your iPhone right now, please take a second to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review because that combo right there, the review and subscribe combo, the subscribe review combo, that is by far the most helpful thing you can do to support the show. I don't have a Patreon. I don't have a OnlyFans. I'm not asking for your money on PayPal. Just asking for a little subscribe, a little review. Let's keep the show in the Apple Top 200 every single week. Let people know about this. And thank you for this amazing review here from Jason L. He titles this, Amazing Interviewer, Happy One Year. Well, thank you, Jason. Chris is an amazing interviewer, very professional and engaging. Every episode is compelling, especially with the guests that I don't think I'd be interested in. I've, I've always listened to every episode more than once. That is from Jason L. from Ajax. And Ajax, by the way, is the town next to the town that I grew up in. I grew up in Pickering. Some 41 is from Ajax, by the way. You know the, the, the pop punk band, Some 41? Yeah, they're from Ajax. So thank you, Jason L. from Ajax. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time uh, that you took out of your day to write this review, which is why I will keep reading one out on every single episode. I mean, remember the, the review or the goal for this year was a thousand reviews before the end of 2020. Remember that? Then we hit it before the end of May. I mean, we moved the goal from end of 2020 to the one year podcast anniversary. Then we ended up hitting it before the end of May. So I'm, I'm very curious what goal we could hit by December 31st. I mean, if that was the original goal, right? By the end of the year, could we hit 1,200 reviews, 1,400 reviews? Perhaps we should set a specific goal for this. I have to think about that one. I don't know. I think they, I think 1,400 reviews before the end of the year could be doable. Hmm. Especially with your help. It's all about you guys. Well, thank you for being part of this conversation with me and Mark Henry. And, and you'll hear he was sitting in a park dropping his kids off at practice. And he had some time to hang out. And we chatted before practice was done. And we covered all here. From his background in powerlifting to the Olympics to meeting Kurt Angle for the first time as a fellow Olympian, getting ready for the 1996 Olympics. Of course, we get into his WWE career, with, which started with a 10-year contract offer from Vince McMahon and led to a 23-year Hall of Fame career that he had. Sexual chocolate, we talk about that. We talk about his run with Mae Young and, of course, giving birth to a hand. Why a hand? Well, that's something that Mark still asks Vince about, and Vince doesn't really give him an answer. You'll hear about that. And of course, we talk about the fake retirement speech and how much thought he put into that now infamous salmon-colored jacket. That wasn't a mistake. He put a lot of thought into what he was going to wear for that. And I found it really interesting to ha hear him talk about how he never gave an official retirement speech because he truly did believe that the one he gave that night with John Cena in the ring with that salmon-colored jacket on was his true speech. And if he gave another one, it wouldn't have lived up to that. But there's so much here. So ladies and gentlemen, the Hall of Famer himself, it's Mark Henry. It's good to see you again. I saw you last week. We were on a panel together for GalaxyCon, which was yeah. mind-blowing to me that I was sharing a panel with you. I didn't quite understand that one. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm down for whatever, though. I mean, it's, I've never been in a situation, I feel, that I was out of my own. 
Well, that and that's what's made you have the career that you've had right now. Now, the last time that we spoke, you were dropping your son off at track practice. A similar situation today, too. Uh, same thing, man. Like they, they hard workers. They love it, and I'm, I'm, I'm. A, if they want to do it, I'm gonna bring them. So you know, you're a, a former Olympian. Does that mean that you're raising some potentially, you know, future Olympians? Well, they, they've both been to the Junior Olympics already. <laughs> it's in the blood, man. They uh, Also, they're not afraid of work. Wow. And so what are their events? They've been successful. Uh, the common denominator they'll tell you is it's, it's a lot of self-discipline involved, and it's a lot of I want to. I want to prove something. And they don't rest on their laurels. They don't, they don't rest on the fact that they're Mark Henry's kids. They right. want to go out and be special. What are their events? Uh, my daughter's a sprinter. My son uh, is, came in second at nationals last year in the discus and um, is a really, really good football player. And uh, for his age, uh, he works out with the varsity teams um, at two schools that we were potentially going to go to. He was doing workouts with both teams on the same days to see where he wanted to be. And I was like, you know, we could just pick one. And he said, I don't know yet. I don't know where I want to be. And in Texas, you know, football is like college yeah. in high school. So being an eighth grader going to the ninth grade, he, he probably won't ever play freshman football. Um, he, he's already 6'1", 250 pounds at 14 years old. And wow. is a really, really explosive athlete. And uh, I enjoy watching him work. But, you know, now I have to tell him not to work so hard because he's he feels like he got to prove it to everybody all the time when that's not really the case. Well, speaking of, you know, your kids, when when you were growing up as a kid, when did you realize that you had the strength, you know, to be as strong as you are? You know what? I actually tried hard. Like I begged my mom from the time I was six years old and I saw the first Olympics with Vasily Alexiev. I begged for weights and I got weights at 11 years old. So I was kind of ahead of the curve. And, and just like my kids, um, you couldn't tell me to stop. I was outside lifting weights for sometimes four or five hours a day just to see if I could do better than I did a couple hours ago. And when I got 13 or 14, I was wrestling the grown-ups in my neighborhood. You know, it was just like I boxed, I did martial arts, and guys were like, man, I hope you don't hit none of these kids like that. Like, the kids your age, you're going to jail. So I got a lot of good advice and I got a a lot of good training from uh, the bigger and older guys. And then, you know, from there, you just kind of went into powerlifting and realized, oh, my God, I lift a lot more than other people. Well, my brother was the one that told me he was like, man, you lift in the same thing as me and you're two years younger than me. And he said, when you get to junior high, like you're going to have to come and train with us at high school. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. I, I got to junior high, and they didn't have free weights. It was only, you remember the stack machines? Yeah. So I had the stack machines to work with, and it really wasn't enough to push me. So 
uh, I would go to high school and work out with freeways with um, the coaches and my brother. So what path were you on if Vince McMahon hadn't come around and offered you? I mean, it was a 10-year deal, right? Yeah, 10 years. Um, it was kind of like a, uh, a sports life expectancy was around 10 years uh, if you had everything go right. You know, in the NFL, you played 10 years, you had a great career. Yeah. And that was my thought process. After the Olympics in 96, my goal was to go back and play football again because I love football. And I hated uh, not being able to play because I knew I was better than a lot of people that I saw play. And anytime that I worked out for – uh, a pro team. I worked out for the Cowboys. I worked out for the Oilers and I worked out for Jim Hannafin at the Redskins and all of them wanted to sign me. They were like, okay, we'll make do, but nobody was offering me money. Hmm. And come along Vince McMahon who says, look, it's going to take you three or four years just to learn how to do what we do. And once you mastered it, um, you know, at least we'll have five more years, maybe six years of you uh, being an outstanding talent for us. And that's exactly what happened. It, it really took me five years to really get it, to be able to go in there with anybody and not only not hurt somebody, but entertain people at the level that they pay money to be entertained. Who were you modeling yourself after when you got into wrestling? Because, I mean, let's be honest, there really wasn't anyone like you before you came along. You know what? I, I watched a lot of Vader tapes. Uh, you know, when I say tapes, we had VHS back then. <laughs> Not none of this. You go to the Internet, uh, you get DVDs with a bunch of wrestling matches on it. Um, I, um, I loved Junkyard Dog when I was a kid and Andre the Giant, and I watched a lot of the matches and why they did things rather than how they did things. Um, and that's that's what I try to tell all the young uh, aspiring wrestlers uh, coming in. Don't look at what people do, but, but ask why. Look at why they do things. Hmm. And um, when you can get the, the, the why and the when, the how, you could be taught the how. I mean, it's crazy to think that you signed a 10-year deal, but even crazier to think that you had the career that you had 20, 23 years, right? 23 years and by choice. I mean, it could have, uh, these last three years, I could have easily been in the ring, but um, I thought it was time for me to give my kids that expertise that only a father really could do. Uh, a father that's experienced in physical culture and health and kinesiology of their athletes. And of course, they're, they're both singers and dancers and actors and, um, you know, in big play productions here in, in Austin at Zach Theater. Um, Jacob, they're both in a band, you know, they sing and dance. So um, if they want to be entertainers, I want to be able to have my hands on the whole process because we both know that everybody in the business is not good people. Yeah. And, yep. um, you know, I got to go and be the Joe Jackson. I got to, you know, push people to do the right thing and push my kids to do the right thing. 
Did you have moments in your career where you experienced people that weren't good to you or maybe experienced people that were racist to you? You know what, man? I had I had all of that growing up until, you know, in every facet of my life, because that's just the way I looked at America being. Um, it's sad. It's unfortunate that there's a double standard, but there's always been a double standard. And, you know, um, you know, even I go so far as to, I think the education of what's going on, uh, should be the thing that people worry about the most and not the fear of if black people had the same advantage, would they be, um, would they be, as mean or as uh, aggressive toward people as uh, they've had it toward them. And that's, I don't think that, I I think that's completely wrong. Uh, You look throughout history, like, you know, um, uh, people of color were not the ones that started stuff. The history of violence against uh, white people is, is very, very low. And, And the ones that, um, that have had hate crimes and stuff like that, um, it could have been avoided by having systems in place where people didn't feel subservient because, you know, you look at the history of the Middle Passage, there were a lot of Africans that just jumped into the ocean because they didn't want to be slaves. And um, that history has not been taught to white Americans. I mean, you look at the Star Spangled Banner. Francis Scott Key was a slave owner and a, and a very highly aggressive slave owner. And um, the third stanza of the national anthem has been taken out. But he said it was the land of the free and the home of the brave. What's the opposite of that? And the third stanza explains why that is. Mm. And that means that you know, we're the slave and the coward. And that's not what it was, but that's the way it was portrayed. And I can see why people wouldn't want to stand and and, uh, and stand for the flag or stand for the anthem. But it's different for me because I was an athlete and I represented this country and I love this country. And I, uh, every athlete that I've ever known felt the same way. You look at the sideline when that flag starts flying, you know, people start crying. People are emotional about the moment. They're emotional about um, representing their country. Uh, my, all my uncles were military guys, you know, and I I always wanted to be a policeman. I, I, I wanted to be a soldier like them. But, you know, God had different plans for me. But, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those cases where if things were um, – if things were better from the beginning, the way this country is established, uh, it'd be better off. But that's not the case. And now we're in this moment of change. And I think that the eye, people's eyes are open. And I have friends of mine that have asked me questions. And when I answer them, they, they, they've cried. They're like, man, I never knew you faced that. Wow. They, 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 they didn't know that I've been put on the ground at gunpoint in dress clothes going to church. You know, I've I've been pushed in the back to try to incite a riot so something could happen. And I've I've had to say, listen, man, um, you're barking up the wrong tree. 
because this I is after I, you were a WWE superstar. This is this is before and after. Oh wow! I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I I went through some stuff, and I have friends of mine that are policemen that they are sick because they've seen stuff that's equally as bad as what we've experienced over the last three months. And they just never had a, the courage to say anything because they would be ostracized, that they would be kicked off their forces and um, that the other cops, they, 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 they're the blue brain. They're, they're the blue gang. And for you to take a side of anybody means that you're not for them. And I feel sorry for some of the cops that are in the place that they're in. But um, now is the time that you know you're not going to get fired. Now is the time that you can step up and stand up and say, hey, this is what's going on. And hopefully we can get this change. Certainly seems like there's some change coming. And uh, I'm very sorry to hear that. That were things you had to deal with, and I, I hope that things are on their way but to being a better place. You shouldn't apologize. You shouldn't apologize. I'm sorry to hear it. And, and that's that's you know I I told my buddy today I was like, look man, I don't want you to have white guilt. I just want you if some if shit ever happens to stand up. Mm. And you see a lot of organizations that are doing things to help provoke change. Go be supportive. Go help out. It takes all of us. Got to take a second right now to thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. And there's no shortage of action going on in our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, well, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day every day and it's live on their website looking for something other than sports well bet online has hundreds of casino games poker tournaments and prop bets for you to check out so visit betonline.ag use the promo code blue wire for a free welcome bonus that's one word blue wire b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e bet online your online wagering experts I certainly want to talk to you about wrestling. Um, and uh, I, it's funny that, you know, the last two conversations we've had, you've been like full-time dad. So it sounds like you've gone from full-time wrestler, retiring there. Now you're into full-time uh, dad mode. I'm sure the kids are happy to have you around. Yeah, man. I, I, I love I always wanted to be a dad. You know, there's a lot of people that being a dad just happy. Um but, like, I always wanted to have my own family. I always wanted to have my own kids. And um, if my kids said, look, I want to be the, uh, a, 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 radio, a rodeo uh, clown. Look, all right, let's find somebody that's a rodeo clown and you become the best rodeo clown there is. Um, I'm not pushing them one way or the other. I just want to be there to, to help them up and when they fall because it's not a question of if but when. And, you know, I, I just want them to have the support that I didn't have as a kid growing up. Do you still keep in touch with the child you had with Mae Young? 
It's five years old. No, nah, I, I, I'm a clown, man. I, I still pick on Vince every time I see him. So are you ever going to tell me what the deal was with the hand? And he just starts laughing. It's a hand. You know, <laughs> what, what was the original plan with this? I mean, I, she was pregnant. She was going to have an actual baby, I'm guessing, right? No. Welcome to the world of pro wrestling. It was a hand the whole time. Everything don't make sense, but it's entertaining as hell. So the plan was a hand the whole time. The whole, I, I don't know what the plan was. I, hey, look, I just go with the flow. But um, I did think, like, why? I, you know, I'm just curious. Like, of all things, why a hand? And Vince, he just bust out laughing every time I ask him. Like, it's, it's the biggest ongoing joke. And I think that's what it is. He just did it to entertain himself. When you look at your 23-year career, what stretch of time did you have the most fun during? Oh, sexual chocolate. Like, at you know, during, near the beginning, um, that was so much fun. Like, I got to go out every week and make a fool of myself and uh, to and play with the ladies in the crowd. And it didn't matter if I lost or not. It was because the whole point was to entertain people and make people laugh. And uh, I'm a comedy guy. You know, I've done uh, a couple of stand-ups. You know, I, I like making people laugh. I like seeing people enjoy themselves. And uh, that was my chance to do that. You know, you talk about your kids being performers and singers and dancers. I don't know if everyone knows that you are, too. Like, you sang in the last interview that we did together. I was a clown. The last interview that we were on together. That was and fun. I, I like I like show tunes. I like um, Broadway. You know, I, I just saw that Hamilton is going to be on uh, Disney Plus, and yeah. I have Disney Plus in my phone because you know I watch all of the cartoons and stuff on Disney with my kids, and uh, I've actually been the voice of a couple of uh, characters. So. Um, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a big kid, man. I, I love having fun and I want to do more voice work. It's so much fun. It's so easy to do. And you get to be a clown anytime that I can wake up in the morning and I get to laugh myself to, to sleep, then that's a good day. What is your favorite Broadway show? Uh, Little Shop of Horrors is my favorite. All right. Um, but I've seen uh, Stomp like five times. I've seen Cats about five times. Um, yeah, I, I was I would still have to say that my favorite uh, is Little Shop of Horrors. You know, like if they did a remake of Little Shop of Horrors, I, I definitely want to be the plan. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you talk about having a lot of fun as the sexual chocolate character, but. The infamous fake retirement speech, the salmon jacket. You must have had so much fun in those five minutes with the crowd in the palm of your hand, knowing that at the end of it, you were going to turn on them. I did, man. It was like the highlight of my wrestling career as far as um, setting an example. Only Mark setting the tempo. Just, there was nobody. There was no Undertaker, no Randy Orton in there to save me. Um, I had to go out there and perform that. And um, I take a lot of pride in the fact that it built 
probably four months. It took me four months to get everybody uh, conditioned that I was retiring, that it's, it's, it was going to happen. So basically, I lied to everybody's face for about four months. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But that's what I had to do to make it happen and make it real. And I finally came to the conclusion that just like in any method acting philosophy, I had to embody that. And that was my real retirement. I never did one after that. Yeah. Because that was the one that I was going to be known for. That was the one that I was going to get to thank all the people that supported me and backed me and, and that I worked with. And, and I did that. And I, I got to thank the fans from the bottom of my heart. Like, like it was 100% real, but you know, in every film and every show, uh, you got to play the tunes to what made that show good. And it was about wrestling. So John Cena had to face the feet, had to face the heat. Whose idea was this storyline originally? Vince's. Because I told Vince I wanted to retire. And he was like, no. And I was like, yeah, for real. Like, I, I miss my kids. Like, I don't, I don't, I get to see my family like two days a week. And, you know, I made a good living in my life. And I didn't buy Ferraris and, you know, $36 million palaces and stuff that you had to upkeep them. I, I did okay. And, you know, it was one of, it's one of those things where I think the most joy that I'm getting in my life is what I'm doing right now. And that's hanging out with them. Did you realize when you showed up to Raw that day that the salmon jacket was going to be as infamous as it became? I did not. I, I just wanted to look sharp. And uh, I never had any costuming or wardrobe people or... I always dressed myself. I thought I did a pretty good job. And when I saw that jacket, I was like, that's what I'm retiring in right there. That's the one. And, um, you know, when I when I showed up dressed up, uh, Vince just started smiling. He was like, just shook his head because he, he, he realized the moment that what was about to happen. I, I, I honestly, uh, I knew that I, we were going to get him. But I didn't think about the jacket being iconic. I think the real, I think the real wasted moment here is after that. You should have won the title. I feel like it would have made so much sense if you beat Cena and got a run. You know what? That wasn't Cena's fault. That wasn't the WWE's fault. If anybody should be mad, it should be me because I'm the one that said, "Look, man, I I, I want to go home. Like I I love to stay here and play with the boys and get out here and." make some more money and all of that stuff. But like I said, the most important thing to me was uh, going home and doing what I'm doing. Like this is God's work as well as, you know, what's expected out of a man. And, you know, it's um, for lack of a better way to describe it, it's me giving back because I have to teach my kids how to be me. One of these days, they're going to be parents. Mm. And the ultimate thing that makes you a parent is sacrifice. There's a lot of things that I could have done, but I didn't do. And I want them to know that. There's stuff that you're just not going to be able to do. I never went on spring break. I was an Olympic athlete. 
I trained during the summer and the spring. I had I had to work, and I want them to see that hard work pays off, and if you sacrifice, you get rewarded. And a lot of people, they, you know, I don't think they fully um, give it up. But and then they don't when the success don't come, uh, they have nobody to scream at but themselves and. Uh, I point that out to him every day. You don't want to be that person looking in the mirror going, man, I, I can't stand you. You should have did this. What do you think was the best piece of advice that you got growing up that allowed you to become the man that you are now? Uh, I was blessed, man. I got a lot of good advice from a lot of really, really smart people. But if I was to have to pick one thing, um, be willing to work harder than anybody else. And I've been a world champion in three different sports that have nothing to do with each other. And, you know, I, I've, I've really, really worked hard at everything that I've ever tried. And I was a national champion in another sport. So I've had success in everything pretty much that I've tried. And I won't let my my marriage or my family or my faith in God uh, suffer. And, you know, all everything I try to do, I try to do to the max. Was there, since you were an Olympian and Kurt Angle was an Olympian, was there any point in the 96 Olympics where you guys crossed paths? We, we trained together. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt was at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs when I was there. And, you know, like we lived on on the same floor sometimes um, where the wrestlers and the weightlifters lived on the same floor. Um, our gyms were separated by double doors. If I walked through the double doors, I was in wrestling. And um, I knew exactly who Kurt was. We, Matter of fact, me and Kurt, uh, nobody could hold Kurt. If you, if you grab, Kurt won the Olympics off an escape. And... They wanted to see if I could hold him. And we got together one day, all the weightlifters and the the wrestlers. And I went in the wrestling room and they showed me how to grab him and all of this kind of stuff. And and then they said, okay, Kurt, this is the strongest guy in the world. Get away. And he got away. And I was just like, damn. Like that, Kurt Angle is, is one of the more special athletes that I've ever seen. I would have loved to seen Kurt Angle play running back in the NFL. He hmm. would have he would have been a monster. Hmm. You talk about living close to Kurt Angle. I know I don't know if everybody knows this, but when you broke into wrestling, The Rock was living with you. Yeah, like uh, when we started, he came from Canada, didn't have any money, and hey, uh, he has the the famous seven bucks in his pocket. Yeah, that's seven bucks entertainment. It's for real, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I told him, I was like, man, you, uh, I got an r- extra room in my apartment. If you want to, you know, crash there until you can get on your feet, you know, more power to you. And he was like, yeah, I'd love to. And uh, we ended up staying together for like seven months rather than even when he got money, um, he didn't move out. You know, he just paid the light bill or something. I don't know what he did, but um, we were like brothers, man, and still are. And he works hard. He's the hardest working human being I ever met. I mean, harder than me. Because I know when to rest. He never rests. If he's not finished, he's not done. 
Wow. Like it's man, the dude is he's wakes up, you watch the videos of him training. Yeah. He's working out at four or five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So he can have more daylight to get his work done. And I'm I'm not waking up at four o'clock to work out. <laughs> I've interviewed the I've interviewed The Rock many times for his movie roles. And what's interesting is he builds the working out into his day. So he says four to five thirty. That's my time. And you can have me after that, which I think is actually something we can all really learn from. Oh, yeah. And you talk about um, like a really charming disposition. Like when he walks in a room and smiles at everybody, like everybody feels like they've known him for years. Yeah. Uh, he, he gives off a presence when he walks in a room. And um, I hope that um, in the future we get him to be a public servant. I can see him being president down the road. I, I, it's funny that you say that because it seems like it could be a real possibility. I mean, who, who better than somebody that um, embodies hard work and you will never see an embarrassing moment. It's kind of like LeBron James. Like, I, you know, people always looking for the other shoe to drop. There is no other shoe to drop. They're both on the floor. They are who they are. And, you know, I, I, I love the fact that people work hard and have success and they try to put other people on and you have the interest in making somebody else look great. That you want somebody else to, to benefit. Like, that's that's a beautiful thing. It's, you're sacrificing. And I, I keep going back to the sacrificing yourself for others. That's that's what we need to do. If we all have that in mind, this world will be a better place. So what do you think? You'll be Rock's vice president? No, I think, the, uh, you know, I'll be there for comic relief. <laughs> Is, are your kids coming? Yeah, I thought they were trying to sneak up on me. But they, are, they, they, they wait and they see I'm doing so. Oh, well, then we'll wrap things up then. But I, I just want to be respectful of your time. But super thankful and grateful that we get to hang out here. So thank you very much. Man, anytime, man, anytime. Like, I'm, I'm proud of your work, man. You do a hell of a job. Oh, that's very kind of you to say. And I'm seeing you on Busted Open has been a great pleasure in my life. You're you're so awesome on there. I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I'm one of those people that is hard to take a compliment. Uh, I, I, I love being on there with Dave LaGreca and Bully and Tommy. Like, you know, I, I live for that show now. You know, that's that's my wrestling uh, release. You know, I'm able to still be involved without being involved. That's a lot of fun. It's it's also so weird. Like I was at Double or I was at yeah um, Double or Nothing last year, and we're in the media room doing the you know the interviews. And I look over, and well, there's the world's strongest man standing right next to me doing these interviews. It's so wild because you're next to all the other reporters when you see these videos on YouTube. The the world's strongest reporter. Um, I, I enjoy it, man. Like being able to cover sports in a way and cover wrestling in a way that I never was able to have an opinion. I was just a part of the the whole thing. But now yeah. I, I get to analyze and say why and and how and and uh, I love it. I mean, it's, it's 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 the it's the best thing in my week other than hanging out with my kiddos. 
Well, when everything clears up and they get this thing figured out with coronavirus, I would love to do this interview in person with you. Man, let's do it, man. Hell, we I gotta have for- you on. I've sign me up anytime. All right, that's a deal. All right, brother. I really appreciate you. And uh, I'm just grateful for the person that you are. So thank you. You're very welcome, man. Well, give it up for Mark Henry. Man, thank you to him for taking the time out of his day in between picking his kids up from practice to do this interview here. It ended a little abruptly, but... We actually got more time than I was expecting there, but really looking forward to round two when we can able, when we're able to do this interview in person. You can just tell, you can just tell from talking to him, especially the first part of that interview, just how much he loves being a father. So take a screenshot, tag me. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Tag Mark. He is at the Mark Henry. Let us know what you thought about this. Let us know what stands out for you the most. Maybe it's the fact that his child that he had with Mae Young is five years old. (laughs) Yeah. Holding up his hand five years old, as he said that. Um, (laughs) And I also, I just love his reaction to the Mae Mae Young thing. Why a hand? Why a hand? Vince will never tell him. (laughs) I stumbled across the five by five rule this week. Have you heard of this? If you haven't, I want to share this with you. If it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes being upset about it. One more time, the five by five rule. If it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes being upset about it. Hmm. You might be asking yourself, why did we have a Tuesday release this week? Well, that's because we got another interview coming up this Thursday. Ooh, yeah, so two interviews this week. So this one today on Tuesday and then another one on Thursday. So we will see you then.